Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I am here to bring you the weekend warm-up, our weekly show where we wrap up the week's news and try and lead you into the weekend. And if you were paying attention to the world footballing scene this morning, you obviously saw some things that were kind of crazy. Uh, Canada beat Brazil in the Women's Olympics in PK, so that was pretty cool. Uh, And that will set up a North American showdown in the semifinals as the United States also went to PKs against the Netherlands. And and they were able to pull it out behind some amazing saves by goalkeeper Alyssa Nair, who also had a PK save in regulation time. So uh, all around pretty fun morning if you were paying attention to that scene. Uh, Also, as you know, we've got... Bayern Munich with a big friendly against Napoli on Saturday, which should be a lot of fun. Obviously, this preseason has been a lot of, has been focused a lot on the young players and how they've performed. And I think we'll be seeing a lot more of them tomorrow as the senior team members don't appear to be quite ready uh, for the friendly. So they will kind of focus on getting prepared for next week's practice. So uh, we'll see if Bayern can finally pull out a win in the preseason. But, uh, You know, it's been fun and informative nonetheless as we've gotten to learn a lot about Julian Nagelsmann as a coach and how he works with young players. And I think that that part of the preseason has been successful, even if the results have not pleased uh, many fans. So, uh, you know, thinking about that and, and how the preseason has went, I think that, you know, everyone needs to relax a little bit when it comes down to judging the team and judging Julian Nagelsmann. Obviously, this is a... It's the preseason. He's playing with kids that, you know, some of whom will be on the U19 team. Uh, I mean, we even have a 15-year-old player that's been playing and practicing with the first team for the better part of the preseason in uh, in Ariane Ibrahimovic. So, I mean, it has been been very interesting, to say the least. And I think that, you know, with all the veterans, uh, they need this recovery time after the Euros. And I'll be honest, I don't mind it. I think this is something that Coming off of the past two seasons, they've really needed some rest, and I don't even think this is even enough time to really get them fully recuperated. So hopefully they've gotten enough rest to get them ready for the regular season, and uh, you know, hopefully these young kids have been able to take advantage of this opportunity and show, uh, at least in the training sessions, what they can do to the coaching staff. Obviously in the games, it has been up and down for some kids, and we will get into that a little bit later when we look at the winners and losers so far in the preseason. But right now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the big news from the week and probably the biggest story that we saw over the course of this week. Uh, it, it originated from a report from Sport One's Florian Plattenberg, who has been really good at uh, relaying Bayern Munich news and transfer rumors and seems to be really tied in. So he's been very informative and seems to be very knowledgeable about this. And, you know, he put out a, a an article this week on Sport One that said that, you know, Bayern is looking at, you know, obviously always looking at players for the future. But three of the names that came up were very intriguing because they were all names uh, of players who have been linked to Bayern in the past. And bear in mind, uh, these names are not targets for this summer, but for the future. So while all three, <laughs> and when you hear them, if you haven't already, you'll, you'll probably laugh. Uh, all three players are not gettable now. Conceivably, they could be gettable uh, as soon as next summer. So the three players that Plettenberg referenced were Chelsea's Timo Werner, Borussia Dortmund's Erling Haaland, 
and Juventus winger Federico Chiesa. And obviously, we have talked about all these, all three of these players at one point or another. Obviously, I'm a big fan of all three players. So if Bayern was somehow able to secure the funds to get all three players, I think I would be probably going a nice week-long bender and pass out in a gutter somewhere. But I would definitely be celebrating that. And the interesting thing that Plettenberg brought up is these are all names that Julian Nagelsmann has brought up. So I thought that was pretty fascinating because in the past, you know, we saw how Brazo and Hansi Flick had a bit of a tiff that extended on and ultimately played a part in Flick leaving the club. And that was mostly regarding uh, transfer targets, squad planning. And, you know, we've heard all along that Julian Nagelsmann is going to leave that part to the front office. He's going to focus on coaching. And, and I still believe that that's the thing. But, uh, you know, this is a two-way street. And the front office also wants to hear Nagelsmann's ideas. Now, Right away, anybody can pinpoint these three players and say, wow, to get all three, you'd have to cough up a ton of loot. And, and that's true. So we'll, we'll take a quick look at all three players. And we'll start with Werner, who is at Chelsea. And obviously, uh, at times, he was very good last year. But I think on the whole, a lot of Chelsea fans are dissatisfied with him. And he's gotten a reputation as fluffing for fluffing a lot of goals and, and making excuses. But I think when you look at his overall performance, he wasn't bad last year. Uh, he was one of the more, if not the most productive player for Chelsea when it comes down to goals and assists. And he's, you know, he's a, a German player going over to the Premier League. And obviously, uh, while he speaks English, uh, I think sometimes when you have players who are giving interviews in, in another language, sometimes they struggle for the right words. I know I could not do it. I, I, one, I can't speak another language. Two, I would totally botch everything. Uh, and then I would just result a curse word. So that that's how I would probably handle it. But when when you see a player like Werner and he's giving an interview and he's asked these really, you know, these are poignant questions about like, why are you struggling? Why did you miss that? I mean, you're asking a player to grasp at straws in a different language and they don't always capture what they really want to say. So I think he took a lot of heat over saying things like, well, you know, the players are bigger or stronger or the goals or, you know, I would have scored more if... You know, the, the line, the offside line was wider, all this nonsense, right? But I think a lot of that gets misconstrued. Um, and that part of that is, you know, trying to, to give interviews in a different language. And, you know, players are grasping at straws at times and just trying to explain themselves without, like, saying anything damning. And it's, it's a tough spot for them to be in, especially if you're trying to do these interviews in another language. So when it comes to Werner, I think he's still got a lot of potential I don't know, obviously, if he'll ever be considered a true target number nine man, but I think he can play a lot of different roles. I think he could be a wing. I think he could fill a role at the 10. I think he could play striker. And more importantly than anything, he's got experience and has proven success in working with Julian Nagelsmann. So if Nagelsmann were to make a point and a push to bring in Werner, much like Hansi Flick did, I would be a fan of that, and I would trust that Nagelsmann knows how to deploy Werner and get the most out of him. I don't worry too much about where he'll fit into this roster or how he'll fit next year uh, when, you know, the earliest it would possibly happen would be. But, you know, it's one of those things where you have to rely on a coach having a plan. And I think if Julian Nagelsmann is given some input and these are the kinds of players that he requests, then I would trust him with that input, you know, to be able to know how to deploy these players successfully. And I think Werner is a good Example of that, just like I believe when Werner gets to the national team 
and Hansi Flick calls him up, that I think there will be a, a bigger margin of success for Werner under Hansi Flick because I think Hansi Flick has an idea. I don't think Yogi Love ever had an idea really after the 2017 Confederations Cup on how to use Werner or really many of the players on the team as we saw in basically every tournament or match since that point. So uh, with Werner, I, I, you know, it's intriguing to me. I think it would be a good fit for him. I don't think being in the Premier League with that media and that pressure on him now after this past season, I don't think it's going to go well there. I think he'll have some success this year under Thomas Tuchel, but Chelsea is in a buying mode as they always are, and they are just going to, I think, just buy right over him. And he will become available probably at a cut rate fee. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. As for Erling Haaland, we've, you know, we've talked about this extensively. This is a player right now who I think is a must-buy player. I don't care where you play him. He could be a center back for all I care. You have to buy him if you have the opportunity. The very interesting thing is that Borussia Dortmund is not going to sell him this offseason. Uh, even with some offers, including one from Chelsea, that was upwards of 175 million euro. Now, that is incredible. One, because it's an, a massive sum of money in a global pandemic. But two, it's, it's also incredible that Borussia Dortmund has reportedly turned that down. Now, why would they do that? Now, the obvious reason is that Holland is, is the key to them making any type of run at the Bundesliga, the DFB, Pokal, and also the Champions League. Uh, obviously, I think, in my opinion, Holland is the successor to Robert Lewandowski as the greatest striker on earth. And I think that over the course of his career, Holland is going to prove that and he's going to show everyone exactly what those of us who have been watching the Bundesliga closely have known is that he is an all-star. He is a global star player who is just a nightmare matchup. He can score with both feet. He's fast. He's big. He can score with headers. He can do all of that. And that's probably even his weakest part of the game. And, and, and he'll be able to improve that just based on his natural size and athleticism. So this kid has everything you want. Uh, the fact is that he'll be available for 75 million euro or so because of a release clause next summer. Now, everyone is, is basically discounting the fact that Bayern Munich can make a play on Holland because there are clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City and Manchester United and Barcelona and Real Madrid and Juventus and PSG. They all want him. Everybody wants him. Everybody can pay him more than Bayern Munich can. But it really comes down to it really comes down to the player, to be honest. What does he want? Where is he comfortable? And if you know you know anything about this kid, he is still someone who goes back to his family farm and works on it uh, over the summer. So this is not necessarily a kid even though he wears some outlandish outfits at times, who is going to be totally wrapped up 100% on the deal that he gets financially. Now, every athlete wants the best deal, but when it comes down to it, if your salary is 22 million versus 25 million, is it that big of a deal, especially when you're, when you're not even factoring in how much these players can make in endorsements and those types of opportunities. So I, for one, would not rule out Holland being a possibility next summer at Bayern Munich. Now, where does that leave Robert Lewandowski? Well, you know, we've talked about this in the past, and I actually wrote the tinfoil hat theory post on this, is that, you know, Bayern Munich could sell Robert Lewandowski to generate some funds for Erling Holland. Do I think it will happen like that? It's possible. I mean, Lewandowski has been rumored to want a new deal with Bayern Munich, but he's also been linked to a million different clubs because he supposedly wants a quote-unquote new challenge. 
Uh, I think new challenge just means a bigger paycheck, which some of these clubs could obviously offer him. Now, we don't know at this point if this is all just Pini Zahavi, if it's just media nonsense that he's drumming up in an effort to expedite a contract extension with Lewandowski and Bayern Munich. Uh, So, you know, that's a situation we'll have to see play out. But if Lewandowski does truly want to leave Bayern and Bayern does want to facilitate that, which by all accounts right now they're saying they don't want to, but when push comes to shove, you know, if you can make a decent amount of coin from Lewandowski, a player who might not want to be there, and then you could subsequently turn around and get Holland, it's almost something you have to do. But like I said, I would get Holland regardless. I don't care where you play him or what the formation is. You get him if he wants to be with your club. You absolutely have to do it. So, uh, And just think about it. For all of you who really value Julian Nagelsmann and the creativity he brings to his uh, formations and his offense, uh, think about having him with his hands on Holland for the long term. And that's something I think we can all get behind. As for Chiesa and Juventus, He's obviously been in the news so much of late. Uh, Everyone wants him after his Euro performance. I mean, you know, if you followed him at all over the past few years, you know he's a supreme talent, especially as a winger. He brings so much to the table, so much pace and scoring ability and creativity. He is what we always would call the prototypical Bayern Munich winger. Unfortunately, he's Italian, and unfortunately, Juventus still holds a lot of weight, and I think that that is you know, ultimately where he wants to play, at least as of now, and where he's going to play the next phase of his career. And you know, unless the player has a major change of heart and he decides that he really wants out and Juventus is willing to work with him on that, you know, maybe then you could see him leave. But otherwise, I don't, I don't see it happening. I think he's in the perfect spot especially with the way Italy has played in international competition over the past couple of years. He is a national hero, and his, uh, you know, his growing legend is only going to get bigger if he stays with Juventus and becomes this you know, Italy footballer for the next generation of fans. And he's still young. I believe he's 23, and he's got 10 to 12 probably good years left with the way athletes are able to take, contra- take care of themselves these days. So Chiesa, while I would love to see him, of all three players, he seems like the least likely unless he just has a hankering to play for Bayern Munich at some point. And, you know, he has been linked to Bayern several times in the past three years, going back to when he was a 20-year-old. So, I don't know, maybe there is something to that. And I I truly believe that Julian Nagelsmann would love to have him, because who wouldn't? But uh, of all three of those players, he seems the most unlikely to me to ever end up at Bayern Munich. And so speaking of transfers, uh, we have seen some a little bit of movement in news when it comes to Leon Goretzka and Quarantan Tolisso. Now, obviously, with Goretzka, everyone is waiting for him to resign. The biggest issue has been his salary request, which is rumored to be around 20 million euro, which would put him in line with the top players on the team. And most fans, not everyone, but most uh, believe that he should be in that echelon of player on the roster. And, and I, I, I believe it. I think this is a kid you have to lock up. He's 26. I think you get him now, you lock him up, you pay him top dollar, and, and he becomes one of two central midfielders on your roster that are going to carry you through the next five to six years. Um, you know, Obviously, the other one is a, another player who is in negotiations, and that's Joshua Kimmich, but that is a story for a different day. Uh, As for Goretzka, the big news this week was that Manchester United, who is allegedly the club pursuing him the most and who has also allegedly offered him a better deal 
than Bayern Munich has thus far. Uh, it's starting to feel a little bit used by Goretzka's camp because they're not getting the uh, expedited results I think they expected from uh, their reported offer. So right now we saw the uh, we saw the news break that they were feeling used, and we haven't seen any type of retort or anything like that as of yet. But I think it's safe to say that Goretzka is looking to work out this deal with Bayern Munich, that he wants to be part of Bayern Munich, but he's also smart enough to know that he should be paid among the best players on the team. And when he looks at some of the players who are up there, obviously these are veterans. You're talking about Robert Lewandowski. You're talking about Manuel Neuer. You're talking about Thomas Muller. But you're also talking about Leroy Sané, who came to Bayern last year as a high price tag player, but obviously did not perform as to the level of you would expect from someone at that pay uh, on the at that level, the pay scale. So uh, obviously Sané has now become the player everyone is measuring themselves against, which in, you know, and that includes Goretzka, Kimmich, Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman, and eventually in a couple of years it'll probably be Jamal Musiala, where they're all going to look at that number that Sané is getting, and they're all going to say, I deserve that. And you know what? Most of them are probably going to be right when they say that. So uh, Goretzka, you know, that Manchester United news, I just think that it's pretty obvious. Yes, I think that Goretzka's camp is using Manchester United to get the best deal that they can for their client, and that's what they should do. So, yeah, I believe that story, to be honest. Uh, as for Tolisso, it was very interesting with him. Earlier this week, uh, Brazo went on a uh, radio kiss kiss in Napoli and said that, you know, when they asked specifically about Tolisso, he said, well, no one has called me for him. So, you know, we're hoping he has a great season with us. But we saw today that Juventus is really uh, eager to work with Bayern on making a deal for Tolisso happen if Locatelli uh, does not make the move over to Juventus. And obviously they are, are more focused on Locatelli right now, but... Quarantan uh, Taliso is their plan 1B, I guess. So if Locatelli does not go through, then uh, there is a possibility we could see Taliso move this summer, even though he's currently uh, out of action with COVID-19. So uh, that'll be something that we follow. Uh, it was less than ideal timing for Taliso to uh, test positive for COVID. Uh, this is obviously a, uh, a juncture in his career that, he needs to perform and he needs to show these other clubs of what he's capable of and missing time in the preseason is really going to hurt him because once the regulars are back in Bayern Munich, Leon Gretzka and Joshua Kimmich are going to eat up so much time. Um, and I don't expect them to sit much early in the season. So I don't know how Tolisso is going to go about proving himself if he's not on the pitch. Uh, I think he'll get some sub appearances, even backing up Thomas Muller as well. But Talisa will be pushed. I mean, eventually when Mark Roca comes back, he'll have to compete with Roca for time. He's going to have to compete with Jamal Musiala for time behind Muller. And you've also got a couple of young kids who have shown that they might be first team ready. Uh, maybe not starting 11 ready, but definitely ready to be on the game day roster in Torben Ryan and Taylor Booth. So we'll see how this all plays out. But if I were Taliso, um, you know, I'd probably start to look to be to look for the next chapter of my career. And if that's with Juventus, I think that would, that would be a good spot for him. Uh, but either way, he is a, he's a talented player and I really like his game. I think he's pretty versatile and 
I love the way he can play as a box-to-box midfielder, but I don't know that he's ever going to beat out what's ahead of him at Bayern Munich. And to be honest, if I was him, I would want to move on and be somewhere where I could be a starter. That would be my focus. But uh, obviously, he's probably a lot smarter than I am, and he has the plan in his head of what he wants to do, and hopefully we find that out. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Juventus and Locatelli before... Uh, we find out if Taliso will move on. Uh, one other small item that I think we could touch on is the upcoming Robert Lewandowski uh, documentary that uh, is going to be produced by Amazon Prime. And you know, Tom Adams and I from the site we we have been on the dessert before dinner kick uh, for years since we read the story, and it has become a running joke between us. Uh, and probably, you know, you guys probably hear us reference it all the time, whether it's on social media or within our posts on the site or even on the podcast. So uh, we're both fascinated by this. And I hope we get a large dose of the dessert before dinner phenomenon on this documentary. I would listen if they did one whole episode on that, I would be you know, glued to my TV because it was one of the more fascinating things that I ever read about the guy. And, you know, this is, you know, Lewandowski is a fascinating figure, right? Like he's got a great I don't know if I should say great, but it's a very interesting backstory in terms of how he was brought up, um, some of the struggles that he faced, and then how he's been able to persevere. And the reason I hesitate on saying great is because there's a lot of you know there's a lot of sadness to that story, and a lot of hard times. But uh, you know this is he's a great player who has persevered and I think really proven himself to be the best player in the world at this point. So I think every Bayern fan would make that a must-see appearance uh, or a must-see TV kind of thing. And it will be on Amazon Prime. So if you have that access to that, we should, you know, be able to see that whenever it is, you know, out of production, which I haven't seen exact timelines on that yet. But clearly this would be something that we look at and we document pretty heavily at the site. And for the final part of our show today, we're going to talk about the winners and losers from the preseason so far and i'm not going to go on too long because we've covered this extensively on the site we have been really intrigued by how nagelsman has used the young the young players and you know how they've performed under him and you know i'll start out with the winners and to me the the kids that have really really won torben ryan taylor booth two midfielders that have just been i think excellent uh I think they both showed the ability to play both ends of the pitch. They both had some really good vision in passing and are both a threat offensively. And I think that over the course of time, if Byron is able to give these kids the opportunity to work with the first team and to be able to inch their way into the game day roster and then into some sub appearances, and then maybe even some spot starts, these are two players I think could potentially make the leap. Now, will they ever do it? I have no idea because, you know, history has shown us with players like Angelo Stiller and Nicholas Storch that midfielders have a hell of a time trying to make it through the Bayern Munich roster because there's just so much depth in the mid central midfield. So that'll be something for all of us to keep an eye on. Obviously, Armindo Sieb has been, uh, you know, he's been great uh, to me, like really just brought a lot uh, to the table, a lot of energy. A lot of aggression. I mean, he picked up an injury last week, but to me, he's been one kid that was really shown that he um, has a future. And I think that, you know, if he doesn't go out on loan this season, that he may be one of those players we see get called up from time to time to be on the game day roster. Uh, Malik Tillman has been another kid that's been impressive. 
Uh, he, obviously, he was much like Sieb in the way that he played like it meant something. And I said that, I've said that several times, whether it was on the podcast or on, you know, on the site in written posts. Uh, players like Sieb and Tillman really, you know, and you could include Booth and Ryan in this as well, they played like the games meant something, even though everyone in the world knew they were just preseason friendlies. So that means something to me, and I think it's shown a lot to the coaching staff. And finally, Josip Stanisic, versatile defender. He has played outside back, capable of playing center back. He's played defensive midfield so far. This is a kid who he needs to be a Swiss Army knife right now to to work his way into the game day roster, and I think he's he's proving that he can be that. And I think he can play at this level, and it, it'll be – It'll be something for us to watch because he's a kid who he's too good for the regional league right now. I don't know if he's going to be consistently good enough to be on Byron's game day 18 right now. And that's only because of the depth that they have. It's not a knock on him. It's they just have incredible depth within the club right now. Uh, so I'll be very intrigued to see whether they move him via loan at this point. Or if they keep him and he was able to work his way into being a versatile player who can be a, a quality backup for Julian Nagelsmann. As for a few players that have not uh, won, you know, we would typically call them losers, but I don't want to call, I don't want to make that connotation to these kids because I think they're they're you know talented and they're not losers. They're just lost. Uh, what has happened in this preseason. One is uh, Oliver Batista Meyer, who uh, is definitely going to be moving on. Bayern Munich has said that they're not going to stand in the way of him getting a transfer. Uh, he had a move to Jan Griezmannsburg set up, but that fell through. So now he has to find a new place to land. And he's actually playing fairly well for Bayern too right now. But um, this was a kid who everyone, ex not everyone, but I guess a lot of people really expected to be a part of the first team by now. And he was probably in line to be what would be a fourth winger at this point and competing for playing time. But things haven't worked out for him. Obviously, Sabinerstrasse is a tough place to make it. Going out, he went out on a loan assignment. It didn't do well there. So, uh, you know, it's probably best for his career to move on. So we'll see what happens with him. But uh you know, he was not able to really impress the coaching staff enough to give Bayern Munich a reason to keep him around. As for the other two, I mean, we've talked about them extensively. Joshua Xerxy, Mikhail Cuisance, these, again, two very talented kids. I think they have both have a lot of ability. Uh, they haven't proven anything in games during this preseason. Uh, Cuisance has had some flashes of things. I mean, he's obviously got a great touch on the ball. He's very good technically. Um, he's just made some mistakes in the central midfield. And I know he's he might be playing a little deeper than he would like, but uh, you know he doesn't get a chance to use his creativity as much. But he's been beaten to a lot of balls. He's been pushed off a lot of balls. And that's not something that I personally like to see in a central midfielder. Uh, he needs to possess the ball better, quite frankly. He needs to be able to figure out a way to create more offense from that position. He just hasn't been able to do that. But in the games, but I do still think this is a talented kid, and I wouldn't be opposed to him sticking around, Byron. It just, you know, with some of the things we've read about regarding his attitude, it might be that he has just rubbed too many people the wrong way, Byron Munich, and they're looking to unload him. Similarly, uh, Joshua Xerxes uh, obviously hit the big miss, and, you know, we've covered that a lot, and I even wrote a post about people needing to leave him alone. Yes, it was terrible. It was lazy. It was awful decision what he did last weekend. But there's no reason to attack the kid on social media. 
ultimately it hurt him more than it hurt anyone else. It was a stupid preseason friendly. So there's no reason to go after the kid. Um, you know, he hurt his own career with that, unfortunately. And, you know, he's a kid I think a lot of people expected a lot out of because he found himself in two great spots early in his first team career with Byron, scored a couple of goals, and people thought, wow, this is the natural successor to Robert Lewandowski. But in the end, this is a kid who's not physical enough. Uh, even though he has a lot of talent and ability, there are some points to his game that he really needs to get better at. One is... Uh, making those shorter dynamic runs, which he, he does at times, but not consistently. Um, you know, like I said, he needs to be more physical, but he also has to be just in general more active around the ball. And, and granted, in this preseason, he's been playing out of position as a wing, but you know, he could have stood out by exerting a little more effort. And it's a shame because he's a kid who has the physical makeup in terms of what he brings to the table with height. And speed that he could be, uh, you know, a difficult matchup and a and a really potent offensive player, but he just hasn't been able to show anything this this preseason, and it's disappointing. Um, you know, I feel bad for the kid, but ultimately, he holds all of the cards in this, and um, clearly, he has not done enough to warrant uh, serious consideration for the first team in this preseason. And that'll wrap us up for this week. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, I love doing these podcasts every week. I hope you guys like listening to them. I, even though it's me, I know that uh, you know, <laughs> it's probably disappointing to you. But, uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we get to see a good Bayern Munich preseason victory this weekend. Although, you know, as things are going, probably not. Um, but, you know, it'll be fun either way. So uh, enjoy your weekend. Have a couple beers on me. And we will see you next time.